welcome to Tour of Truth with Krista and Company. And today's company is Barbara Emerson. Hi. Mary Cochran. Hi there. And Karina Samioa. Hola. <laughs> We're on week five, unit five, of a study by Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. Blackaby, this week, he's pointed out, if Christians don't know when God is speaking to them, we're in trouble at the heart of our Christian life. He dives into this subject throughout the week and talks about the ways that God speaks because there are many people today that actually don't think God speaks at all anymore. You know, that he spoke in the Old Testament, but he doesn't do that today, which we will find, one, through my own personal experience and testimony. I can say that's not true. Yeah, absolutely. That God does speak. And we also find in Scripture to confirm that fact that God continues to speak to his people. There's a story in John chapter 8, and it's about Jesus getting up early one morning and going to the temple courts at the Mount of Olives. And the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach. This was the same morning that the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery, and they were questioning Jesus about her. But they were using the questions as a trap. They were hoping that they would have a basis for accusing him. Jesus bent down, and he started to write on the ground with his finger. As they kept questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Everybody left until it was just Jesus and the woman standing there. And Jesus asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Often we'll hear this story and sometimes whoever would be sharing it, sometimes they'll stop right there then neither do I condemn you. That's great news. The next words Jesus spoke are so important. He said, go now and leave your life of sin. This is critical. He didn't say you are eternally secure because I have forgiven you. And now you can just continue to live your life the way you were. I'm glad that I got to meet you. I'm sure she would have appreciated it if that's how it could have gone. But he said, go and sin no more. Later, Jesus spoke to the people again. And he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees started to challenge him over his testimony about himself. But to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. He said, I know that you're Abraham's descendants, yet you're looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. Isn't that interesting? They didn't like what he said, so they want to kill him. What about today? You know, so many people that don't like what God's word says, and so we ignore it or we heap up teachers for our itching ears. I mean, really, it's kind of no different today. So they were looking for a way to kill him because there was no room for his word. And he said, I'm telling you what I have seen in my father's presence. And you are doing what you've heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham didn't do such things. And so what Jesus was referring to was the fact that we know in Scripture that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So Abraham certainly wouldn't do such things is what he meant. So he continued by saying, you're doing the works of your own father. We're not illegitimate children. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus replied, if God were your father, you would love me for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? because you are unable to hear what I say. But he said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. 
He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Verse 47 in John chapter 8, an important declaration, Jesus said. And I believe this is the basis of what Henry Blackaby is pointing out to us. So Jesus said, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. I think it's important to also realize that just because we do not hear from God does not necessarily mean we don't belong to God. Right. However, Jesus did say you don't hear from God because you don't belong to God. There are reasons for God's silences at times. It could also be that you simply don't recognize when God is speaking to you. And so that's what this particular week is about, is like, let's learn how to tune in to the voice of God and the ways that God speaks to us. I think a huge lesson for all of us is learning that, how to discern the voice of God. And one of the things that I've recognized in my own life, when it's God speaking, he is persistent. Like the thought comes. And it comes back again when and you it ignore comes, it. <laughs> yes. And it comes back over and over. And really, it comes out of nowhere. And it was not something that you came up with. Like you know that it wasn't you. It also will always agree with his word. Exactly. Like God is never going to ask you to do something that is not according to his word. So let's say, for example, you're dating a person that's not a believer. Okay, mm -hmm. and you're trying to justify it and you want him to say and agree with you that it's okay <laughs> right. for you to date this person. And so, and what if you could convert them like, Lord? Yes, right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. And so what happens is if he is really blessing that, that is going to be in accordance to his word. So if his word says, do not be unequally yoked, then he's not going to all of a sudden change what he has said so that you get your way. Exactly. Does that make sense? That's a huge thing. The other thing for me that I've seen when God speaks is that not only is he persistent and agrees with his word, is in agreement with his word, but there's such peace with it. When you actually follow through, there's this joy and peace in the obedience. It confirms that it was him, that it was all his idea. The way God speaks is the most important factor, not how he speaks, because he speaks differently to all of us, you know? Yes. In the Bible, we see how he spoke to Moses, how he spoke to all these different, you know, Abraham and David and everybody. So, you know, we're not in biblical times, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't speak to us. Maybe it's not an angel that appeared, you know? So... In my personal life, he has spoken to me. I have not heard him in his voice audibly, but I know that it's him. And there's a sense of peace, joy. You want to cry and you don't even know how to explain it because you know it's him. And like you say, Karina, it always goes along with what is in the Bible and his word. So what he speaks to you is what's important, not the way he does it, because he's speaking loud and clear and we know when it is for sure. The reason it's not important to evaluate how he spoke, but that he spoke, is because scripture shows us that each experience was unique to that particular individual. Just like what you said, Barbara, it might be different. Some people might hear God speak audibly. You know, we know he has spoken to people audibly. It's one of the ways God speaks, but it might not be the way he speaks to you. Right. You know, so there are other ways as well. I loved Blackaby's example with Moses. Moses right. didn't have a precedent for a burning bush experience. 
He couldn't look at the bush on fire and say, Ah, yes, my father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they had their burning bush, and this must be mine. There's not a method, right, to hearing God speak. The burning bush had never happened before. So God speaking is unique because he wants our experience with him and his voice to be personal to us. Right, and also recognizing his voice is going to take time and effort. I think that's the way that we can actually confirm that it is his voice, not just like, oh, you know, because we're not going to have a a burning bush, you know, that would be really cool. (laughs) But I don't think it's going to happen. So, And you know, if the burning bush experience happened today, could you imagine? I'm sure that most anybody that that would happen to today, they'd have to go right out and write a book about the burning bush and... Oh, Everybody yes. be trying to figure out how to have their burning bush experience. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's different. And with what you said, Barbara, you have to seek out the Lord so that yes. you quiet all the other voices and right. give him enough time and the space exactly. to actually speak to you. Exactly. And I want to share the story that actually happened the weekend of your wedding because I've oh. never forgotten it. <laughs> oh it was such a cool God experience at your wedding. Okay. Like the weekend of your wedding. So it was the day of your wedding. I got up really early to have a quiet time with God. Right. And I went out on the porch, you know, out in the... The side. dock, yeah. Yeah. And there was no sunrise yet. It was really early. And I was like, Lord, I want to meet with you. And I said, just speak to me and just join me. I asked the Holy Spirit to just join me and that his presence would be so tangible. So this breeze came in and the water just started moving. And I could see that the sun was rising on one side. But then there was light on the opposite side that shined right on me. I'm serious. (laughs) Like, yes, it came from the right and it just shining right on me. I could see the sun coming out on, on the, the other, other side. side. So I was like, oh my goodness. So I'm standing there and then I open God's word and it was straight to Psalm 104. And this is what it says. Praise the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. He wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. Wow. That was amazing. And it was on the water. Yes. And, and the water the moved wow. and the light was coming in two different places. I knew the sun was rising in one side and then I had the light on the other shining on me. But think about it. You asked him, come and join me. Yes. And then that happened. And then you opened the Bible and that's what you read. And I'm sure many people listening have had their own moments like that. You know in your heart, you just know that that's God. It's no coincidence that you landed on that scripture in that very moment in that very surreal you know yes. situation there was no denying it's back to we have to give him time and show up to meet with him he says draw near to me i will draw near to you one of the things that blackby says is when god speaks to you through the bible prayer circumstances in the church you will know it is god and you will understand what he's saying when god speaks to you that is an encounter with god and he goes on to say that if we want to know the will and voice of god we must devote time and effort to cultivate a love relationship with him because that's what he wants when my husband and i were praying about moving here we really wanted to know that it was the lord's will and not just us thinking hey wouldn't this be kind of fun and <laughs> we felt like we had come to a place where we had peace about it so we told our parents that we were making the move on a saturday night 
And the next morning, I had the TV on a Christian station while I was getting the kids and myself ready for church. I wasn't sitting and watching it. I just had it on in the background. And at the end of one of the programs, there was a woman giving her testimony. And I just happened to hear her say, I moved to Greenville with my husband. Now, Greenville had not previously been on my radar, but we had just said that we were moving there. So when she said that, my antenna went up and peace just flooded my heart. And I knew that it was God confirming that he wanted us to go to Greenville. Meanwhile, my husband was already at church early for worship practice, and he had met a woman who turned out to be the mother of a young man that we had previously known. She informed my husband that her son was now living in Greenville. So it was like the Lord gave each of us confirmation separately and at the same time. I know that some people listening to this might think that that was just a coincidence, and I don't blame them, but the peace that came along with it was what really set the tone for us to believe that God was, in fact, confirming his will for our lives through two different believers. So when Blackaby says, you'll know it's God talking to you, even though it might just look like circumstances to someone else, you'll know that you've just encountered God. Mary, with what you just said, he talks about how truth is never discovered, truth is revealed. When the Holy Spirit reveals truth to you, he is not leading you to an encounter with God that is the encounter with God. There's so many ways that I didn't recognize that it was an encounter with God. And when he pointed it out, he was like, oh my gosh, that's what I've been feeling this whole time. Yeah, you didn't realize you were experiencing God. All along. I mean, it was beautiful and it was awesome, but I didn't know that was the actual encounter. And it was just, I just love it. I look for it every time now. If you had asked me before we started this study, how many times that I've experienced God, I probably would have told you like three or four times. But the study has helped me to remember that God has indeed guided me or spoke to me several times. And I just didn't think to consider it an encounter. The fact that Blackaby teaches that when truth is revealed to you in the word, that that is an encounter with God is very encouraging. So if you've ever been reading the Bible and the Holy Spirit, just like a light bulb, illuminates part of the scripture. And then you hear someone teach that truth later on, something that you had never previously heard taught before. That is exciting. And one of those examples for me was John 6, 44. I remember sitting in Starbucks a few years ago, reading in the Gospel of John. And as I read chapter 6, verse 44, it was like I was seeing it for the first time. And I have been obsessed with that scripture ever mm-hmm. since the Holy Spirit illuminated it to me. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the backbone verses of the study. Right. So according to Blackaby, when this verse left off the page in Starbucks, that was an encounter with God. And sometimes I can get discouraged because I don't think I hear God's voice clearly and unmistakably like I did one time in my car several years ago. But God has spoken to me in other ways since then. But because that encounter in my car was like my favorite encounter with the Lord, I get discouraged because I want him to speak to me in that very same fashion again. All the time. So earlier this week, I had started to get discouraged. Like, I don't know how well I'm hearing God's voice. I was thinking about it the other morning and... I was like, you know, this is probably the equivalent of Moses, you know, 10 years after the burning bush experience saying, God, how come I haven't seen any burning bushes lately? You know what I mean? And so it's like, yes, this experience, this particular encounter that I have with the Lord, where I know for a fact that I heard his voice and it was unmistakable. I think I've been really longing for him to speak to me in that same way again and again. But... The truth is, I really don't need to choose how he speaks to me, just the fact that he does speak to me and these ways that Blackaby has taught us that these are encounters with God. When truth is revealed to you, that's an encounter with God. Yes. Yes. And the truth can come through a friend, you know, through godly counsel. It can come through his word. I mean, it can come in so many different ways, like you were saying. I wanted to go back to what you were talking about, Mary, with coming to Greenville, you know, just to point out how God always gives direction on the front end. You know, he might not tell us 
us all the details. In fact, usually I don't think he tells us much of the details at all because there's it requires so much faith when he speaks. But he'll tell us what we need to know to make necessary adjustments to take those first steps of obedience. He'll give us that confirmation, like you said, and then you'll be able to walk in that direction of peace. And you may not have all of the information, but you can sense God's leading. Right. And I still have that. no idea why I'm in Greenville. <laughs> But well, we're happy here you're here. <laughs> yes, for sure. Blackaby points out, he said, let God interrupt or redirect your plans anytime he wants. Maybe you didn't want to come to Greenville. Maybe you wanted to go to, I don't know, Savannah, Georgia. And something happened and interrupted your plans, but he knows what he's doing. And we may or may not get an answer, but I think if we ask, God will show us eventually. We can only know God's voice. It can only come as we develop an intimate relationship right. with God. Yes. You know, it's really not just about making a profession of faith and thinking that we're going to start hearing God's voice, but we're making no effort to pursue God. He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Exactly. And that's the process. Another point that Blackaby made was when God is revealing something, it's not just for the sake of conversation. And we see that in scripture. When he was speaking to someone, it was to reveal his purposes, his plans, his ways but there was a response expected. God wanted somebody to respond with faith and obedience and do something. It may be that whatever God has spoken to us might not come into fruition for some length of time, but we still need to begin moving in that direction. We still need to begin responding to God in faith based on what he said. When we understand spiritual truth, it's only because the Holy Spirit is working in our life. John 14, 26 says, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. And John 15, 26 says, He will testify about me. Right there, we have confirmation that the Holy Spirit will be speaking to his children. He's going to testify about Jesus, and he's going to remind us of the things that Jesus taught. So we also need to consider how we listen to the word of God. In Luke 8, Jesus told a parable of the sower and the seeds. The seed that fell on good soil represented someone who heard God's word, they retained it, and produced fruit. But then, in Luke 8, 18, Jesus said, Consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken away from them. That, when I got to that, I had read that verse before, but in this study in particular, that stopped me for a moment. That one sunk in. That was one of the verses that I meditated on. Because if we hear God's word and we choose not to apply it, what that verse is saying, that even what we think we know is going to be taken away because we're not responding to God's word. We're not applying that truth. Jesus said, this word that I give you, this is your life. We're told that in the Old Testament as well as in the New. This is your life. These are not just words on a page. We have to take these things to heart and apply them. Do not just be hearers of the word, but be doers also. Don't deceive yourself. When God speaks, then we have the responsibility to respond to him. Like, for example, back to my story, when he showed me the truth that he rides the clouds like chariots and that he is great and worthy of praise, then what my heart did was I responded in worship. A lot of times he just wants us to be in awe of him yes. and just worship him for yeah. who he is in spite of what we're walking through. That is really personally my favorite place to be. Not even necessarily trying to do anything for God. I've just learned my favorite place to be is worshiping the yep. Lord. Just yes. quiet, and just having nothing being. to say, but I love you. 
just giving him my heart at that moment, giving him my worship, giving him my my thoughts, my there's just something about just mm-hmm. being in his presence and giving a hundred percent. He's like, love me with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And so in that moment, you're responding to the greatness of God. And so to me, sometimes people can focus so much because I did this for many years. I wanted to know God's will so bad. I was like, so every time I went to him is so that he would speak, what do you have for me? So it became about me. Yeah, it became right. very self-centered yes. instead right. of God-centered. Even though I wanted Even though you to do thought. something for him. <laughs> right. I'm like, tell me what you want me to do for you. And then over and over, he was like, I just want your worship. I just want your heart right. to be about me. Don't worry about what I'm going to give you to do. Right. I just want you to be with me. And that is such a beautiful illustration yes. of the love relationship. Yes. <laughs> and Jesus, think yes. about this. I mean, Jesus took so much time to just get away with the Father. And he loved going out in nature to do it. So right. I, I'm with him 100% yes. on that too. Because there's something about going outside and just being in God's presence, whether right. it's a lake, a beach. Right. He made it a point to be with his Father. And it was just about being with his father. If out of that, you get direction to do something, whatever's next, great. Right. But I don't want to come to God because I want to get from him. I want to come to God because I want to be with him. Exactly. That is beautiful. When we're with him, he's helping us to know him personally. He's revealing his character to us. You know, when we're responding in faith to him, whether it's worship or spending time in his word, we can better obey God when we believe that God is who he says he is and he can do what he says he will do and God reveals himself to us so that our faith will be increased and that is what will lead us to action that's why he's revealing himself to us in Genesis 17 1 it says that Abraham was 99 years old and the Lord appeared to him and said I am God Almighty Abraham knew it he knew it in his mind as soon as God said it. If God told me that, I believe that, right? You hear God tell you that. I believe you, Lord. But God wanted Abraham to actually experience that. And so it wasn't until Abraham at 100 years old and Sarah, his wife, at 90 years old, had their son, Isaac, and they were well past childbearing years. But that was where God revealed to Abraham and gave him a confidence in who God said he was and that he would do what he said he would do. You know, Sarah questioned it ahead of time. You know, she was like, well, I don't know how God's going to do this. I'm going to help him out with this. And it caused a whole big mess. But God showed him, if you'll just wait on me. And that's one of the points I don't want us to miss as well. How hard is that? That might be one of the biggest challenges for all of us as Christians is waiting on the Lord sometimes. Mm -hmm. Right. The problem that we run into when we don't wait on the Lord is that we can screw the whole thing up. (laughs) It's really true. We're getting ahead, which is Mm -hmm. what Sarah did. She's like, okay, we're not getting pregnant. I am going to uh, make this happen. Uh, let me get my maid here. Another. And Abraham fought it vehemently. Oh, wait. No, oh. he didn't. Yeah. No, he didn't. Like, oh, really? I yeah, can't? Like, you, okay. want me, you want me to marry her? Okay. Okay. Sure. Happy so, wife, happy life. Yeah. And then she wasn't happy. Then she wanted to get rid of poor lady. Oh, my yeah. goodness. It puts our trust in God to the test. Can we really trust him? Can we really wait for his promise to come to fruition? Right. And so, and to hold on to that and and not resent and not get impatient and not take things into our own hands, but to really trust God to do it in his timing because his timing is perfect. Yes. Yes. Well, and it's our human nature 
Because if something doesn't get done, then we think that it's up to us instead of just letting him, you know? And how many times have we taken the wrong way because we were not patient and waiting for his answer? I know that I have, so yes, easy to do that when you don't know especially. And it's not wrong to plan. We just need to be careful not to plan more than God intends for us to do. We've been talking about when we know God and, and we're trusting him or we're getting his word, but there are people that do not believe. And I just wanted to point out in 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 15, that the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to them. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Like we were saying earlier, when we speak to each other and we understand like when God's spoken to us and we know it's the truth, to somebody else that doesn't understand it at all, it seems foolish and they think we're crazy. Pray that one day they become crazy like us. <laughs> if, if it's called crazy because they're missing out on this beautiful relationship and, and yes. knowing these things, you know? And I, I, I'm going to jump in and share specifically about that passage. So I had a friend back in Florida that was a Muslim and God gave me the opportunity to develop a friendship with her and we both shared our faith. Well, long story short, the day I was going to give her a Bible that I had highlighted answering a lot of her questions, I remember looking at the mirror and I was saying, Lord, before time began, you knew about this evening. You knew that I was going to have this opportunity. So I prayed that his word would just be revealed to them. We met and I gave them the Bible. I showed them everything. I want to make the story short, but this is what happened. They did not get it. It was foolishness to them. They could not receive it because it has to be the Holy Spirit opening their eyes. We can deliver, we can share truth, but the Spirit will do the work in an unbeliever. And so when I got home, I just felt like I had gone through a boxing match. Like I felt so like drained. (laughs) I felt drained. Yes. And so I was like, Lord, I just prayed. I was like, Lord, why can they get this? Like I have answered every question with your word, with truth. And he took me straight to this passage you just read. Yep. 1 Corinthians 4, 14 through 15. It is foolishness it is. unto them because they do not have the spirit of God. And so I just cried for them that night. And also it made me so grateful that the spirit revealed truth to me, that I received his truth. And if you're listening today and the Holy Spirit is just stirring your heart, respond to him because yes. he is speaking to you right yes. now and saying, yep. hey, surrender. Enter your life to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Believe him right. for you and follow him with all your heart. So I just want to challenge whoever's listening, you know, give your life to God. And if he hasn't spoken to you in a long time, just ask him. He says, ask yeah. and you will receive. Seek yep. me and you're going to find. Yes. Knock and it will be open unto you. So that's my invitation to whoever's listening today. That's a great invitation. I love that story. And you know, one of the passages that it reminds me of is also in Corinthians where Paul is correcting the believers. And he said, why are there divisions among you regarding men? Some of you are saying, I follow Apollos. And some are saying, I follow Paul or I follow only Christ. And he says to them, one person planted and one person watered, but it was God, not we, who made it grow. The person who waters and the person who plants, they're not important. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. So right along with that, it's only God that can do that work in us. But he does say that the one who plants and the one who waters will be rewarded for their work. So although you didn't see God make that seed grow yet, we do our part 
and there is a reward, right. but the results are God's. Exactly. Amen. That's right. Absolutely. Amen. And Amen. Trust is not just a concept to study. You know, trust is a person. Jesus didn't say, I will teach you the truth. He said in John 14, 6, I am the truth. One of the last things from the study that we didn't touch on yet that I'll just throw out there as we close is that it's important to grasp that prayer is also a way that God speaks to us and that prayer is two-way communication with God. You speak to God and He speaks to you. But we'll have to be still and listen. Prayer is part of our relationship. It's not just a religious activity. God doesn't need our prayers But he wants this fellowship with us because through that fellowship, we begin to recognize the blessings, the provision, and the protection as no coincidence. Blackaby tells us a very sweet story about his son's sixth birthday for which they had bought him a blue Schwinn bike. But his son only wanted these dinky little toys that would fall apart and break. So after purchasing the blue Schwinn bike, he had the task of convincing his son to ask for a blue Schwinn bike for his birthday. Now, he was successful, and his son ended up asking for a blue Schwinn bike for his birthday, which, of course, he got because it was already in the garage. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit knows what God has in the garage for us. It's already there. And the Holy Spirit's task is to convince us to want it and to ask for it. And so one of the things that this reminded me of is Psalm 119, and I would just want to challenge anybody out there to read Psalm 119 and pay very close attention to what the writers asked. It's a lovely mixture of praise and petition, and it's all about God's word. But check out the prayer requests throughout the chapter. I think it's safe to say that these prayers are in line with God's will and that we all need what these petitions are asking for. Things like, don't let me wander from your commands. Teach me your principles. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your law. Revive me by your word. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me eagerness for your decrees. Give discernment to me, your servant. Then I will understand your decrees. I think a lot of us want these things, and I want to challenge you to ask and keep on asking. And I believe that these are things that God has in the garage for us. (laughs) Yes. I love love that that analogy. Thank you for that. And Karina, would you mind closing us in prayer? I would love to. Father, we just praise you. We just thank you for being the God of miracles, the faithful God, the God of Abraham, of Moses, of Jacob, of Joseph, our God, the one true God. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his love shown for us by dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you so much that we can place our hope in him. Thank you that even though you're the God of the universe that holds the the earth in his hands and all of the universe in your hands, you care about every detail of our lives and you want to have a relationship with us. May we draw near to you, Lord, and seek you because you say that we will find you if we seek you with all of our hearts. So I just pray that our hearts will be completely yours and that we will just seek to love you and to know you and to follow whatever you show us with obedient hearts. We thank you for this time and we praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to hear another podcast or play this one again, you can find us at touroftruth.com. You can also find us on Facebook and we will look forward to chatting with you again soon.